looking. Deep pattern. Downfield. Touchdown, Miami. What a throw. Devontae Parker. Holy smokes. What a drive. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, even in the midnight hour, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Dolphins go off in the lone preseason game this August at Hard Rock Stadium. We're recapping the 37-17 Dolphins victory over the Atlanta Falcons. We'll do five takeaways. We'll break down the stats, the big plays on the night, go position by position, a big night for the offense, and Sam Egwavon has himself a legendary stat line. All of that and a bunch more on this edition of the Drive Time Podcast coming to you from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. That's another Miami Dolphins. I want to go ahead and start tonight with the stats from the game because they were pretty staggering in Miami's favor. And last week we talked about the first half of the Chicago game and how the Dolphins were the better team on the stat line across the board in that first half. And then things flipped the opposite direction in the second half of that game. But tonight it was pretty much from the start of the game to the end of the game, all Dolphins all the way. But the first half with the first team offense out there, the first team defense with some guys coming in and out of the lineup, throughout the course of that first half, but Miami 239 total yards to Atlanta's 115, 180 yards through the air, 37 for Atlanta. Miami had 59 on the ground, Atlanta had 78, so they won that category, but the Dolphins go three for four on third down, the Falcons go one for five on third down, two sacks for the Dolphins, one for the Falcons, Miami just two penalties for 19 yards, and in fact, that was their game total, so the Dolphins with 90 players on that sideline working in multiple guys in multiple formations and multiple different teams throughout the course of the game. Just two penalties for 19 yards. What a remarkable stat that is. Atlanta winds up with three penalties for 25 yards in the first half. They would tack one on later in the game. Time of possession for Miami, 17 minutes, 7 seconds, and Atlanta, 12 minutes and 43 seconds. And again, that trend continued throughout the course of the night as Miami with 28 first downs to Atlanta 16. Miami goes seven for nine on third downs. They did fail once on fourth down, but the Falcons two for eight on their third downs, two for three on fourth. Miami with 422 yards on the night to Atlanta's 253, not quite doubling up, but getting close to it. 286 passing yards to just 66 for Atlanta through the air. Miami had 136 on the ground to Atlanta's 187. They ran 18 more plays, and they also had four sacks in the game. The Falcons had just the one sack. Again, two penalties, 19 yards. Atlanta, four for 35, and Miami outpossessed the Falcons, 36-43 to 23-17. And again, this production from the offense without a laundry list of players that you've seen plenty get production, whether here in Miami or elsewhere. William Fuller, Lynn Bowden Jr., Devontae Parker, Preston Williams, and Isaiah Ford, all receivers not available for Miami in this game. Javon Holland and Brandon Jones, the two young safeties not available. Javaris Davis, Vince Beagle, Elandon Roberts, Adam Pankey, and Seathan Carter are your DNPs in this game. And again, it just didn't matter. Miami from the opening gun was getting the job done in this game. And I want to start off here before the takeaways, just talking about some of the explosive plays because that was one of our takeaways 
on the podcast last week, recapping the Bears game, getting the big pass to Mike Gesicki and some third down and long conversions. The touchdown pass to Savon Ahmed from Jacoby Brissett. You could look pretty much up at your screen every couple of minutes and find a big Dolphins play in this one. I started off with the Miles Gaskin runs on that first touchdown drive where he was ripping off chunk gain after chunk gain and produced a big night for the third year running back out of Washington. How about Tua to Gasicki to convert in the red zone on third and long? How about Tua to Gaskin for the eight-yard touchdown pass to cap off that second drive? An 11-play, 66-yard, six-and-a-half-minute drive for the Dolphins, and that was the case all night long, just taking the ball up and down the field, getting plenty of work in, plenty of plays to put on tape to go back and look and, and make the corrections as the guys are probably doing right now at the facility as I sit here talking to you from the facility in the podcast studio in the back. Eric Rose pass breakup in the end zone. Seth Levitt on our post-game show on WQAM 560 and available on the Odyssey app, by the way, if you want to check out that podcast, the podcast version of the broadcast. He talked about giving Eric Rowe a game ball because of that pass breakup he had in the end zone and because he took points off the board. Fourth and goal, he gets his hand around like he is wont to do and pokes that thing free. We talked about it all week long in the practices, really getting a chance to go up against Kyle Pitts, and everyone says, well, how much does it help your game to go up against a guy like Kyle Pitts? I asked the question, Kyle Pitts, how much does it help your game to go up against a guy like Eric Rowe? Because really in 14 of the 16 games last year, Rowe statistically was very, very good in the two games he was not as good statistically he was in great position but Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller a pair of all pro tight ends they just kind of did their thing in those games and made tough contested catches so he gets another PBU this one in the end zone this one on fourth down to me that constitutes a big play how about the completion to Mac Hollins on third and 10 for 14 yards from Tua Tungabailoa we'll talk more about the quarterback and the receiver slash special teams ace that has really made a name for himself this training camp and preseason here in Miami. How about 30 yards from Tua to Gasecki? Last week it was 53 or 54 yards. I mean, how many tight ends are making 30, 40, 50 yard plays in the National Football League today? There's not many of them that do that. Mike Gasecki now doing it back-to-back weeks. Sam Egwavon, my notes here say back-to-back sacks. Clearly, I got to update that because it was back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Four sacks for Sam Egwavon. Went totally bonkers in the game. Craven LeBlanc forced a fumble. Kirk Merritt had a catch and run for 27 yards where he ran a little jerk route, stuck the foot in the ground, caught the football, ran through contact, and was off to the races. Also scored a touchdown later on in the night. That was awesome to see because Kirk Merritt has been making big plays all training camp long. So to watch him get production in the game, very cool to see that for him. I put Malcolm Brown for six rushes for 25 yards and a touchdown on one drive on that first drive out of the locker room where the offensive line was just pushing the Atlanta Falcons off the football and Malcolm Brown was running hard and getting those tough yards. Big drive there from him. Malcolm Perry had a big play up the sideline on a pass reception from Jacoby Brissett. That gets in here. Again, Egwavon four sacks. I guess I put it in here twice. 11 tackles and a safety shoot heading into the fourth quarter. Egwavon trailed the Falcons by himself by just one point. Calvin Munson gets an interception. How about that? And then I also have the Kirk Merritt touchdown in here as well. So plenty of explosive plays for this Dolphins team on offense, on defense. I also put a note in here that the Dolphins continue to find ways to pin the opposing kick return unit 
inside the 20-yard line. There was one today at the 12-yard line. Now, of course, preseason, teams are going to be more inclined to bring the ball out because there's no penalty for losing 12 yards of field position in a game that doesn't count and you want to get those reps, but good on Miami for finding ways to consistently win the hidden yards battle and flip the field with their all-pro kicker and their kick coverage team. They're in Jason Sanders and Danny Crossman's special teams unit. Takeaway number one, we're going to go to QB1 here who was asked, how do you think you played tonight? And the question also had a bit of a caveat in there. You know your coach demands perfection, but how do you think you played in this game? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, kind of like last week, and you, you really don't look at the things you did well, you look at, you know, the things you didn't do well. Um, you know, I think offensively we came out pretty strong. Um, we wanted to start uh, fast, and obviously we wanted to sustain drives, uh, be able to convert on third downs, and get good drives going, and, you know, put points on the board. Um, and that's, that's really... Uh, We're going to come back to QB1 here in just one second, but 16 for 23, 183 yards, a passing touchdown, a 107.7 rating. And we talked about this in the podcast last week about how I thought he demonstrated the things in that game that made you really, if you were a big fan of his as a prospect coming out of Alabama, that really made you kind of attracted to his game as far as a prospect goes because he was showing the quick twitch, getting away from the pressure, stepping out of harm's way and into position in the pocket where there was some space to operate from so he could make throws and get the football off that way too. Multiple big plays from Tua in that aspect. The quick decisions to decipher, here comes a rusher, here comes a blitzer. He talked about Dean Pease showing multiple different looks this week in practice and the joint practices and how it gave him an opportunity to get through some of the stuff you have to get through pre-snap and how to apply that post-snap. I thought we saw a very good collection of Tua picking up not just where the pressure was coming from, but how to beat the pressure with the quick, decisive throws. And we're going to get to that here more in just one second, but I want to go back to Tua now, who was asked about the looks the defense gave them and the offensive approach to take advantage of what the defense was showing. Yeah, I don't think the defense played us any different. Um, you know, on first and second down, uh, third down, you know, you've seen some changes within the structure. Uh, you know, and that, and that was throughout the whole game. Uh, but, you know, we, we took what they gave us. If it was a run, you know, we handed the ball off. And they gave us a throw. Um, you know, they were trying to uh, get guys in the box for the run fit. Uh, you know, our rules as quarterbacks let us to throw And that right there is a very dangerous option for an offense to have. And I spoke about this again on the WQAM 560 postgame show about how last week and this week too, the Dolphins down six receivers. But last week, with all the receivers down and a complement of tight ends available, which he had this week as well, Tua really threw the ball to Shaheen and Smythe and Gesicki a lot, made a bunch of plays in the passing game through the tight ends. And we saw Jacoby Brissett get the football to running backs as well as Tua to Malcolm Brown last week. But now he does a, a, a good job of sharing the wealth to not just tight ends and backs, but getting receivers involved with Jalen Waddell, Mac Hollins, Jakeem Grant. We'll talk more about the quick game here in just one second, one of our takeaways. But I thought that was an interesting development there because you go through the course of a 17-game NFL schedule a full 17-game NFL season, and you're going to face different defenses that have different strengths and can take away different things on your offense. So the more ways you can win football games, gosh, that's a nice recipe for success. I'm not going to put too much on a preseason game, but that's the idea. And I always go back to the 
what was it, 2019, 2018, that range of the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees when, it, yeah, it was the tail end of his career, but he could still get the job done. And we saw that in a, a postseason game against the Minnesota Vikings that year, I think it was, where he was just going up and down the field in the second half of that game. The Saints' defense wasn't playing as highly as they normally did. Alvin Kamara was not getting going. So they said, hey, Breeze, we're going to need you to go out there and take care of this game for us. And he went out there and put up a bunch of points and a bunch of stats and a bunch of yards. And so you have this where the quarterback is there and he can hand the ball off and play strong defense. But when we need him, you can go to that. So multiple ways to win the football game, but also the job of the quarterback it's not just the passing plays. Like People overlook this all the time, in my opinion, but getting the right look and the right count in the running game, Tua talked about it there, that is critically vital as well. And we saw the Dolphins' run game have a bunch of success tonight, especially with that first-team set of backs and offensive line and just the first quarter, the second quarter of that game, really finding success in the ground game with Tua at the controls. I thought that was fantastic to see. Also, part of Tua's takeaway here, the third-down success rate. I mean, 4-for-4 four four with 40 yards tonight. That makes it 7-for-8 with 115 total yards in the two preseason games. A little bit less than a full game there, but 7-for-8, 115 yards. That's a pretty damn good conversion right there from your quarterback who also threw for nine or 8 yards per attempt today to give him 8.5 yards per attempt. So stretching the field vertically, converting third downs, and doing it amidst some pressure on some of those 3rd and 10 plays, 3rd and 8, like converting these long 3rd downs, and he's making it look easy so far through two preseason games. I also mentioned the ball placement here in my collective to a takeaway, just the ability to match up or to recognize matchups and where the football should be going. I talked about beating the blitz and replacing the blitzer with the football, but there was a play where Savon Ahmed motions out wide and number 43, the linebacker, chases him out to the perimeter. And I was sitting there in the press box and I said, Ahmed's got a linebacker. That's, that's probably where the ball should go. And we tried it to a try it to Savon Ahmed. I'll watch the replay later and we'll have the admissions podcast on Monday for you guys of things I didn't quite see from not rewatching the game seven or 18 times. But on that throw, it looked like the location was pretty good and Savon had it in his hands, just a, a hit on the sideline trying to contest with keeping the feet down. But the precision on that throw and that catch and that route, it looked pretty good to me. So the idea that you can find these matchups, identify them and attack them with this complement and this arsenal of weapons you have, boy, that's fun to watch for the offense. So again, two of 16 for 23, 183 yards and a touchdown in this game. And he was also the only player so far this preseason to complete 100% of his passes in a quarter with five or more passes. So how about that for a Bob Euchre from Major League type of statistic, but it's still a fun one. Takeaway number two, I wrote down the quick game as a takeaway because on the first four throws of the game, I was kind of charting this because they were coming out so fast. A, a quick swing to Waddle, a quick dump off to Miles Gaskin, a quick hitter to Waddle again, a quick jet pass, jet sweep pass to Jakeem Grant. The first four throws that Tua had, it was catch, fake, fake a handoff, throw to the flat, catch, pop pass, catch, get that thing out to the curl route to Jalen Waddle. So I think within those four throws, he probably held the ball collectively for about four seconds. And what does that do? I mean, that takes away the offensive line. Like, you, you're not going to get home. That's designed throws that get out of the quarterback's hand, get the ball to your playmakers in space. They are extensions of the running game. And when you can get the ball out wide to the running game through the passing game to a guy like Waddle, to a guy like Grant, man, that opens things up. And it also takes the pressure, I think, off the offensive line. And now the defense has to react to 
lateral motion to going horizontal, a false step left, a false step right, the ball goes back the other way. Now all of a sudden, I can't pin my ears back and pass rush the way I want to, and that's going to help the offensive line. Now, Coach Flores talked about this in the spring, and so did Chris Greer, Dolphin general manager, you know who he is, about more ways than just drafting a running back or drafting offensive line to improve your running game. And I think we saw that tonight a little bit. Speed on the perimeter, speed going across the field horizontally can really dictate the way a defense has to play and open things up. This whole entire sport, as coaches mentioned, is about complementary aspects and complementary influences. And I think the collection of what you have in the passing game at the skill spots really benefits what you can do, not just in the running game, because when you have Waddle and Grant or when Will Fuller comes back or these other speed merchants you have on the roster, they're going to force the defense into playing too high unless you want to risk single man coverage on a 4-3 burner and risk giving up the back part of the field because that guy can run by your coverage. So if you get forced into too high coverage, all of a sudden, now there's room for the running game, right? Tua mentioned it, the box count. If they want to sneak that defender back, we're going to go ahead and run the football. It's, it's a numbers game when it comes to the running game. But also, there's more. But wait, there's more. What about throwing the football down the middle of the field to a Mike Gesicki, to a Mac Hollins? That 30-yard catch down the middle, you see it. You see the receiver's release, and you see the, the width that gains, and Mike Gesicki has access over the middle of the field for a great 30-yard rip and run. He gets upended but hangs onto the football, and he gets up okay. A big completion there. So that Dolphins quick game and, and incorporating some of the elements this offense now has with the new pieces they've added because it was a busy offseason bringing in pieces to this offense, and man, it was fun to watch on Saturday night. Number three, I'm going to take a bit of a turn in the opposite direction here. And this is such a minor nitpick in my opinion, because it was really one or two runs, but Felipe Franks was dead to rights a couple of times when he came off the bench for AJ McCarron early in the game, who was injured in the game and had to leave and didn't come back. He got loose a couple of times. That's why the Falcons outrushed Miami was because of the quarterback running. And I just put running QBs and he evades that pressure and gets out of some third down trouble and gets out of a sack and extends a drive that way. And, you know, to me, this was the one thing and there's never a perfect performance, but this was the one thing really standing between Miami and a, a really, 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 really good performance. Like, I'm not going to say perfect, but a really, really good one. And I think if they can sort that out and correct that and maybe find a way to generate pressure on quarterbacks with, you know, four or five man rushes or just find ways to hem those guys in and not let them loose the way a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or a Kyler Murray, all these explosive quarterbacks you have in the National Football League now, if you can find a way to hem those guys in, man, this defense has the pieces and has the parts to really execute and get the job done like we saw a year ago, and they went out and I thought added pieces to make them better. So the running quarterback thing is my takeaway number three, just because, like I said, we're going to see Cam Newton week one, most likely, or we'll see if it's him or Mac Jones, but I, I think Cam Newton started left the first two preseason games, so right now it looks like him, and then week two, you get Josh Allen, so the running quarterbacks are coming down the pike. Takeaway number four, I just wrote down the middle, and what I mean by that is on defense, because, I mean, how you've heard the podcast, you've heard the, the training camp reviews and, and the preseason review against the Bears last week. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, Adam Butler, and then I also put Sam Egovon, Bernardrick McKinney, and although Jerome Baker, I don't think I charted him with the quarterback pressure from the press box. Again, gotta rewatch. He's still active and gets, we know what he can do as a pass rusher in coverage against the run. He's everywhere. He's a phenomenal player. But the, the guys I mentioned, Wilkins, I thought had a hell of a football game. We'll talk about that more in just one second. Zach Sealer, 
Raekwon Davis. There was plenty of reps where those three guys were playing kind of a big defensive line front, and then you can rush with Van Ginkle or, or Ogba or Jalen Phillips or Brandon Scarlett, or when Vince Beagle gets back, you can put him out there. You've got all these weapons in your arsenal to play with, and those three guys do such a good job of eating up blocks. But not just that, getting off those blocks and making plays at the line, and putting pressure on the quarterback. And we didn't even have Adam Butler in that conversation because he is constantly disrupting the backfield as well from that defensive tackle position. And those guys do play end and tackle as well. So they're so versatile and so deep. And it's just like, man, I wish I had more snaps to give you guys because you're all producing at such a high level right now. And then Sam Egelvon. I mean, I can't believe we're this far into the podcast without really, really going in on him. But four sacks, what? 11 tackles, a safety I mean, what a night for Sam Egwavon, who comes back off the COVID-19, or the COVID reserve list, rather, and makes a big splash in this game. Just awesome to see. He's a great guy. Did a podcast with him last year where he talked a little bit about his brother and the Epilepsy Foundation that he supports to try to help find a cure for epilepsy. Just a really cool game there for Sam Egwavon. A, a cool performance to watch him just go absolutely ham in this game. And then Bernardrick McKinney also had some pressure up the middle on a couple instances, too. So just down the middle of this defense... And you can add the safeties into that equation too with, you know, a Javon Hall and a Brandon Jones who didn't play tonight or a Jason McCourty and Eric Rowe. You have to love what you have down the middle, down the heart of your defense. And then the 5A, I have a 5A and a 5B because we're going to talk about this here in just one second. My 5A takeaway is the offensive line and Austin Jackson because, I mean, we talked about the rushing the rushing game for the Miami Dolphins tonight, 136 yards. I mean, they were pushing the pile, getting getting the job done. All the backs for the Dolphins tonight averaged over 4.3 yards per carry. That's a great number to look at. Miles Gaskin goes for 71 yards from scrimmage. Malcolm Brown rushes for a team-high 43 yards. Jared Dokes has 7 for 30 yards. Gaskin, 6 for 27. Jordan Scarlett has 5 for 22. Tungavailoa, the 1 for 8. Savon Ahmed, 2 for 6. Patrick Laird, 1 for 2. And Reed Sinet, 2 for minus 2. Neil in the football down there at the end of the game. But those backs, 4.3, 4.3, 4.5, 4.4 yards per carry. That is a recipe for success, especially when you can get out to that quick start and that quick lead like they did. And it was the offensive line getting the job done. We'll talk about this more in just one second here in the individual pieces, but the consistent surge, the calls in the run game by Coach Studisville, Coach Godsey, and the offensive staff to create space and to get lanes and to, to create those lanes from the offensive linemen. I thought it was a big bounce back game for that group. And also Austin Jackson, who I put in the notes here specifically because I kept watching his pass protection sets, and there were multiple instances. The first one I noticed was the uh, completion to Jakeem Grant on a drag route, and it was a great compilation of so many things I talked about in training camp on the review podcast where Tua puts the ball in a location in a spot, kind of throws some touch on it and lays it out there to anticipate the receiver get into that spot at the same time as the football gets there, and he lays it out there for Jakeem Grant, who runs under it, turns it up, gets a first down, and Austin Jackson, the line slides the opposite direction, keeping him in a one-on-one position to pass block, and he just stands there and, and stonewalls the man across from him and gets the job done. I thought he got great surge in the running game. The hold on the outside run, man, that looked like a good block, but they're going to call it back on the hold. I was ready to give him some praise for that one. But again, the surge in the running game has been evident for me so far from Austin Jackson and then some really good pass pro tonight as well. So that's 5A. The takeaways, Tua Tungavailoa, big-time game. The quick passing game and the offense kind of taking shape. The running quarterback thing I wasn't too thrilled about. The down-the-middle part of the defense, the offensive line, and then 5B, 
Jalen Waddle is okay. And I was going through it on Twitter. You guys know I'm a big, big Jalen Waddle fan. And just kind of seeing the sequence of events play out there with him exiting the game. First, he gets kind of nicked up where his he, so he gets rolled up on and he kicks his feet backwards. He wasn't planted. And that's why I think he was wound up being, you know, okay, was he wasn't caught with a planted leg. And then you get that knee kind of buckling. He runs over from the 10-yard line or so all the way down to midfield. And that's when I noticed he was down. I look up at the TV screen in the press box, and Jalen Waddle looks like he's in a great deal of pain on the sideline. He then walks off, and it looks like a normal type of gait, a normal type of walk. I'm like, that looks good. But he goes back into the blue medical tent, then leaves there. It goes back into the locker room. And very quickly after that, comes back out onto the field, no helmet in hand. So I'm wondering, well, this is a good sign. And then he starts kind of running through some routes, some explosion work and some cutting. I'm like, that looks really good. And then I see him go over and grab his helmet. And I tweeted this every step of the way because I kind of wanted to go with through it with you guys. Like I was going through it. Safed Dean, formerly of the uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel, now with USA Today, comes over after the game and goes, how much were you uh, crapping yourself there? during that whole process with Jalen Waddle, and he didn't say crapping. And I said, a-, a lot, man. I was pretty nervous about that. I really hoped he was okay. He gets back into the game and looks like he's going to be okay. So good stuff there from the Dolphins offense, from Jalen Waddle getting back onto the field. Some of the individual notes, we touched on Tua already. Jacoby Brissett goes 8 for 8 tonight and just balls out and plays really well in the game. 99 passing yards, one touchdown, a nearly perfect passer rating. Shoot, Reed Sinet, 2 for 2, 7 yards. He didn't throw an incompletion. Also had himself a touchdown pass. So the Dolphins quarterbacks, three touchdowns, no picks. All over 100 passer ratings in the game. Great job by the QBs. Miles Gaskin mentioned him going absolutely nuts. Shifty, catching the football, getting open in the end zone, making a bunch of plays. 71 yards from scrimmage, a pair of touchdowns. How about Savon Ahmed? 19 more yards through the air in this game on a couple of catches as well. And then Malcolm Brown, we talked about 10 carries, 43 yards, and a touchdown run. The 11-yard run was the most exciting one on the night where he carried bodies and carried the pile. And Jared Doak, 7 carries, 30 yards. I put down the compliment of his shiftiness that he showed in this game with the brute force and the ability to drop the shoulder that he has shown before. That's a great combination for that guy. So very good-looking game from Jared Doak's. Jalen Waddle, when he was on the field playing and healthy, I thought the, the suddenness, the shiftiness, what he does to the defense to kind of hold their eyes and command their attention, I thought that was very notable in this game. And the same with Jakeem Grant on the pop passes, on the drag routes. Man, you want to play man coverage against those guys and they can stretch you where they run all the way across the field, whether it's going horizontal or vertical, just puts so much stress on the defense and really forces you to make decisions as far as what coverage you want to run. And then how about the beneficiary of those speed, but also the beneficiary of just playing damn good football all training camp long, Mac Hollins, big time catches, first downs, had the juggle, but he brought that thing back in, made the catch for his teammate and or first quarterback rather and talking about being a teammate I guess Seth and OJ talked about him rescuing uh, Miles Gaskin's chain that fell off in the end zone and I guess Mac Hollins went and grabbed it I didn't see it but I'll talk about or I'll, I'll look at it on the replay once more but Mac Hollins a big night again catching the football in traffic I think he caught all of his targets or four catches on five targets for 49 yards a big third down and 10 conversion a f- uh, 14 yard play on that conversion Kirk Merritt, the 27-yard catch where he runs a little jerk route, puts the cornerback in some peril, outside, back inside, catches that thing, but it's still in close quarters, breaks the tackle, 27 yards, then later in the game catches the ball over his shoulder for a touchdown. Good to see a great camp there from Kirk Merritt translate into game day production. He finishes the game with three catches for 34 yards and a touchdown. 
How about Robert Foster with some catches and a very nice over-the-shoulder grab in the end zone for a touchdown of his own from Jacoby Brissett in the game. Foster, two catches for 16 yards and a touchdown. And then Malcolm Perry had a big play in the game as well, a 29-yard play catch and run, his only reception of the day. But good to see Malcolm Perry get loose. How about the tight end position with Mike Gesicki, who continues to make big plays? He caught both of his targets today for 43 yards, an average of 21 and a half yards per catch there from Big Mike. And then Durham Smythe, I put his name in the notes for the blocking he showed off the edge in this game, creating some space for some guys. He was really, really good in that department. And then also great to see Hunter Long get his first reception for four yards in the game as well. Along the offensive line, I talked about Austin Jackson, but his ability off the edge to seal that thing and create space in the running game, some push in the running game, the isolation and the one-on-one situations in the pass protection game, that was fun to see. Michael Dieter, I've talked about his communication and double teams on the training camp review podcast saw some more of that tonight he got some push on a run when the Dolphins are backed up where he creates some space and the Dolphins got out of the shadow of their own goalpost because of that run and then Liam Eichenberg I thought had a fantastic night at the right tackle position very patient into his sets low pad level driving whether he's kind of down blocking towards the middle of the line or kicking out wide and blocking out wide as well the hip to hip shoulder to shoulder feet to feet double team he had with Robert Hunt who also had himself a good night They pushed a man 10 yards off the football on that play. And that's where Malcolm Brown ran behind. And that was where Malcolm Brown carried the pile for about three or four extra yards. Inspired football. That's going to pump up your whole team. Man, I thought Liam Eikenberg was damn good in this game. On the defensive side, Christian Wilkins. Man, talking about damn good. There was, we talked about the a la carte menu with Tua Tungavailoa. That's what Christian Wilkins had tonight, in my opinion. The pass rush, the quickness, the stack and shed, the run game prowess, inside, outside, physical, finesse, penetration, two-gap, whatever you wanted, he was doing it out there. There was a a pass rush rep where he just instantly punches the man, arm over, into the backfield quickly, forces the quarterback off the spot. You do that enough, you you can get the quarterback off the initial spot. It's eventually going to get there for you, and I've been seeing Christian do that a lot. I think the numbers will follow, but right now he's consistently getting into the backfield, but also doing it against the run. What just It's cool to watch the training camp work and production translate into the games, and I think I've seen that here with Christian Wilkins. I've seen that with Raekwon Davis, who continues to throw guys out of the club, with Adam Butler, who continues to get into the backfield, with Zach Sealer, who stacks things up and just makes plays, had a couple of tackles early on in the game. He is so tough to move in the running game. That interior defensive line just... We mention them every single day, it seems, on the podcast, but they earn it every single day. At the linebacker position, talked about Bernardrick McKinney getting some pressure on the quarterback. Duke Riley had a nice run fit where he shot the gap and stuffed that thing up on a third and goal. The Falcons scored on the next play, but still a great play there by Duke Riley. And then Calvin Munson had the pick and some run fitting as well that I thought was very good in this game. And Sam Egwavon, four sacks, a missile of a pass rusher. You might recall back in 2019, among off-ball linebackers, so guys that don't play on the edge, like a Von Miller type of player, or I guess a Jalen Phillips would be that type this year as well. But as far as off-ball linebackers, Sam Egovon was third in the NFL in quarterback pressures that season. So he's done this before. The closing speed on the quarterback, the good angles, but also can play backwards as well. How valuable is that to go along with a special teams type of player like Sam Egovon is? In the defensive secondary, we're going to finish up here. 
I thought, again, the safety play was really good. There was nothing really deep in the game from the Falcons passing offense. We talked about Eric Rowe and the pass breakup and the run game. Just it's the same old story every single week, it seems like, with Eric Rowe. But how about this one play I want to go ahead and break down a little bit. It was the Falcons' first drive of the game. They had some success, completed some balls there with A.J. McCarron, moved the offense a little bit when Xavier Howard and Byron Jones were in the game, which didn't last for very long. Xavier Howard came out after a series or two, I believe. I'll check on that for you guys here on a future podcast. But in the series he was in, the Falcons get in the field goal range. It's third and eight. And you see Miami's playing too high. And Xavier Howard's to the boundary, the short side of the field. And the coverage rolls to the field side of the formation where Byron Jones is playing in that part of the field. And Xavier Howard takes away the takeoff route completely. Like it's completely walled off. He's in the hip pocket, could take the hand towel out of the guy's waistband if he wanted to, the entire rep. And then Byron Jones can play inside because he has help over the top and he walls off this inside route. It's just a beautiful looking design, a beautiful looking executed coverage. That's the type of stuff you want to see from this top, uh, the top players in the Dolphins secondary. I thought they executed that very well. So fun to see from those guys. Xavier Howard gets some plays. Byron Jones gets some plays as well. Emmanuel Ogba was also out there. So I don't really know what more you can ask for. I mean, it was a very solid game from this Dolphins team up and down. Want to go ahead and mention Nick Needham. I forgot his name in there, but he had a tackle as well as a pass breakup down around the end zone. Another good showing from Nick Needham. Also great to see him back on the field after leaving practice on Thursday. So Again, I just I don't know what you can complain about. This was a really good effort from the Miami Dolphins. They played so well in this game, offensive, defense, special teams. Got more work to do, obviously. Long way to go, but we are 21 days now away from opening day up in New England. And the closer we get, the more I cannot wait. What a fantastic showing and a fantastic training camp heading into the final game against the Bengals. We're going to have it all covered for you guys here on the Drive Time Podcast, including some fun episodes coming up down the pike, coming your way. I'm going to have Seth and OJ here on Drive Time riding shotgun with me for a crossover podcast. We're going to preview the entire season coming up. We're going to have a 53-man roster special episode. Plenty to come here on the Drive Time Podcast. As for tonight, Caroline... Daddy is coming home. All of you, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank with Seth and OJ. Also, the post-game show on 560 WQAM with me, Seth, and OJ. And, of course, MiamiDolphins.com. And until next time, fins up. Fins up.